I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom, we're on. And today's guest, we've got Anthony Crowley. How are we, brother? Mate, I'm good, James. Good to be here, mate. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. World champion boxer, Manchester. Your home turf, mate. I'm down here. Yes. He says your gran actually stays a she mile away. Not even, man, no, my nana there. She's a few hundred yards away, like the house where I started, uh, where it was 10, 11, we're a mile away, something mm-hmm. like that, obviously. the uh, Just over there, a bit of an history lessons where uh, Manchester United started. So, yeah. Throw a name spot. in straight away, are you, brother? That's me just left half my, my, my <laughs> Manchester fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, I always go back to the start with my guest, brother. Yeah. How, where, it grew up, where you grew up and how it all began? Um, so I grew up to the age of 10. I was in um, Newton Heath, where we are sort of now. It's, um, it's one of them, James, listen, I can, I can never pretend, oh, I had it hard or anything like that because um, I didn't. But I think from a very early age, I was, I was taught, you know, if you want anything in life, you've got to work hard for it. It's... Um, like I say, with with my mum and dad, I think I owe them absolutely everything where my mum and dad, like the, you know, they both worked, but my dad's a postman, my mum works in a supermarket. So they're not the best paid jobs in the world, but they'd work hard and we never went without. But at the same time, we was, we would appreciate everything. We'd appreciate everything, me and my two brothers and then my, my younger brother come up when we was um, like 10, 11 as we moved house. But it was, um, I think I taught, I learned from my parents early, like, you know, anything nice you want, the sacrifice that have to be made. Like like I said, I'll never pretend um, that, I, that I had it hard and stuff like that, but I know, like, my dad would either take on an extra job and my mum an extra hours just to take us on holiday each year. But there's also time, like you say, where, you know, we weren't one of them where it was hardly poverty, but we didn't. You know, didn't have a car and so like so anywhere I got to go training wise, I was getting buses to and stuff like that. So yeah, I was 
I was taught like from an early age, anything you want in life worth having, you've got to work yeah. hard for. So a good loving family, worked hard, yeah. showed you the ropes how to work. Yeah, if you want very, something in life, just work for it. Yeah, very close, uh, very close family. And not the family as in like, we would tell each other we love each other every day. I've told my mum and dad I love them once mm. in my life. Um, <laughs> but say it just I'd, now, bro. Tell them, mate, tell them. Mate, no, but I, uh, that's it, but I say it. I'm like that. Yeah, I <laughs> if I said to my dad, oh, dad, you know, I love you. My dad is like, off. give me a belt. I can fuck off yourself, get. Like, I couldn't say I've told them once uh. in my life. Um, but nah, the, the, um, they've done so much, you know, for us. And I think from an early age, I was always a kid who was like, into sports and they got um i remember my mum jumped just just around the corner really jumping on buses with me to take me to a boxing gym while my dad was in work and my dad was the first one who took me to a boxing gym because basically there was no one to look after me but it was it was one of them it was just to channel some of the energy but yeah one of three brothers um uh, an older brother and a younger brother both very different super close but um uh, you just don't tell each other you love quieter. them nah we don't we uh the older ones a lot quieter and stuff like that. Um, where the other ones, the younger ones, a bit of a wild child, and he's like probably like my best mate, but also the biggest pain in my ass in my life yeah. as well. So yeah, good mate. So the bond's strong, tight knit family. Yeah, like I said, my nana's across the literally mm. up the road. Who's in her eighties? Who's wanting to get a rottweiler yeah, just a few weeks mad. ago? <laughs> just a few weeks. She lost her um, her old dog, big white Murano, not long mm. back, and um, she wanted. She was like, no, I don't want a little dog. We was trying to get her in some little. And um, anyway, she wanted the Rottweiler. We was trying to put her off that. And um, she settled on a Whippet. So we met halfway. Mm-hmm. How was um, your schooling and stuff? Yeah, we schooled me. Um, my mum, she certainly, she's not the cleverest, like, academically. But she, I think she didn't want me to be like that. So from an early age, she'd always make sure I'd do my schoolwork and... And I think through school, like I said, I went to school just around the corner growing up and then just up the road with high school. I love school. There's a lot of um, people who, you know, growing up, they hate school. But school for me was some of the best times of my life. I loved it all. And I don't think I was a bad kid. I can't pretend I was a bad kid. Listen, like most lads, I was a bit of a joker and probably pushed it a little bit too far sometimes. But I um, I love school and I got, really, my one regret is, I probably should have done better in school than I did do. And um, I think it's only now that I'm realising that where because of what I go into, I'm sure we got onto that where with like working with children in the area and stuff like that, where I might have to do a few exams, which I might not have had to, but would have listened a bit more in school. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from an early age, I was always, it was, I was just, it comes to a point where, you know, homework, I just do the bare minimum. And listen, I've done all right in school, but it was always sort of boxing was always the um, the end goal. I always said the right thing of you know I want a backup plan. I want something to fall back on. But realistically, I never put enough effort into making mm-hmm. sure I have a backup plan. Yeah. What age did you start then training hard for boxing? Um, I remember say around eight or nine. My dad had some uh, keys to the to the gym because he he was an ex professional boxer but retired, and he he. Um, He'd have keys on a Sunday. I'd go with him a few times a week and on a Sunday, take me, mate, take me, a few of my cousins, and I used to beat them all up on a Sunday. <laughs> I used to go there. and um, But I think, and then I went back because then my dad's shifts changed. And just before I was, just before I was 11, I knew you had to be 11 to fight. And um, just before I was 11, I went back to the amateur gym. Um, my mum took me on the bus. 
and yeah, I was I was hooked on it ever since. Like first two sessions, two sessions, two sessions. I I knew I was like playing football, cross country, stuff like that. But I knew that was where I wanted. You know, so that was that was the sport I wanted to concentrate on. Did your dad support you fully? Get into it, knowing how dangerous yeah. a sport can be as well. I um, yeah, he did because, like I said, he was you know he was an ex pro himself, but he was never a pushy dad, and I like that about him. He was um, he was always. I think he was proud. He's not the type to tell me he's proud of me, <laughs> but um, I'm making him out to be a bit of a monster, right? <laughs> but I'm not meaning to. But no, he is. He is proud, but he was. Ne he's never a the tough type. Man, though. Yeah, and that's just how he was, and that's how I was yeah. sort of brought up and. He um, he's encouraged it, but he was never like, "Oh, I'll make sure you get there." He was like, "No, you want to go to the gym, you." And I think that was probably part of the little test mm -hmm. for myself. You get there yourself, and I'd have to get the bus on my own and stuff like that to get there. It wasn't him being a mean dad or not a supportive dad. I think it was just like, "No, if you, I think it's to see are you serious about it." Yeah, were you training every and day or anything? Yeah, all I think all the time really from being being eleven, like you make sacrifices right from you know not playing out with your friends. mates, uh, your friends and hanging around. And listen, I think a lot of good comes out of that as well. But um, I wouldn't say, because of the training, I probably didn't have the childhood that a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, my mates did, really. So you had a lot of discipline for a very young age? Yeah, I did. I think I did. That was, um, I always believe, I mean, I say this right till the, the end of my career, I got the very best out of what I had. Um, I was never the most talented fighter or fastest most powerful but i i think i worked hard to try and make up for it in them areas and i think from um, an early age i was always dedicated like the um my friends would be out on a friday night and saturday night i'd, I'd be out running hard go home to bed early because i was getting up early the next day to go training so yeah i think i think from an early age i was obsessed i was obsessed and um just to try and get the best out of what i had and i think we then moved up the road sort of to New Moston and um so even like my mates, I remember once we was out on a Friday <laughs> we was out on a Friday night and I'd just come back from the gym, literally been back from the gym ten minutes. I just went up to see my mates. They were probably having a few fosters, a few ciders, whatever, and um literally went to see him. One of the lads has decided to rob a car and he brings it and anyway I remember getting one of the lads gets in, it was like one of my best mates, pulls a daft damn break. Anyway, I caught for it get out you know skittled and i think that scarred me do you know what i mean sort mm. of i was I was very very lucky bent around a lamppost the car if not it could have been very different and i think from that age i um and i thought no you know i've got to be serious i can't be hanging around on street corners and stuff like that so i think i think it was about 14 15 then that was a wake-up call for you that was a wake-up call mm. yeah and um it's mad i kept it secret for like 20 years i told mm. my mum and dad it was a hit and run <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. one of my mates let it out um, yeah was it was that, he was in his best man speech or something like that <laughs> I was like fucking hell I kept uh -huh. that quiet for 20 uh -huh. years so yeah I had to lie and say it was a mm -hmm. bit of a hit and run but he was one of my best mates who skittled me to be honest but he was either he robbed a car or paid some money for an old Nova yeah. or something like that just shows you though how fast your life can turn yeah, for you could have done it training just every day post. yeah and people drinking yeah. taking drugs 14, 15, 16 is a crucial age yeah, for any teenager to try and make something of a life once you go down that slippery slope it is very difficult to pull it back when you start drinking from a young age and you know and listen I, I, I think I said it before I can't pretend to be like some of the guests who've been on the show or like that because I come from a loving home and stuff like that 
but there is there's temptations everywhere and do you know there's always ways where you can make fast money and stuff like that and the temptations are always there and you've got to be strong enough to know no I'm going to stick to the plan that I've set out or I'm going to try and achieve that goal and um, yeah that's it really but I knew from an early age you know I was pretty unlucky with stuff like that so <laughs> I um, I probably I learned sort of now I'm best off sort of staying yeah. staying out of trouble. Did you have any temptation at 16, 17, 18 to think? Did you ever feel as um, if you're missing out on anything, or were you just no, totally was, focused on the game I plan? Was, I was totally focused on trying to you know achieve that dream which I set out from an early age. But listen, there was times early on in my professional career where things didn't seem to be going the way because I had a lot of ups and downs, but um, where. Like you say, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend there was, you know, a bad boy or anything like that. But of course, there, w there would have been an easy option for me to start doing a bit of stuff on the side that I shouldn't have been doing. I could have earned money to fund it. But I've always worked with with like the children in my old amateur boxing club. You know, the young lads, and now it'd be girls because the women's game's getting so big. But I, I just thought I'm a bit of a fraud of them, sort of trying to direct them in life and. I'm doing wrong on the other side. So, yeah, but I mean, listen, when you, you're from a working class area, there's always people you know who either up to no good and you can get involved with. So, yeah, of course, like, the temptation always passes your mind, but you had to be strong enough for that. What was your amateur career like? Yeah, your amateur career, amateur career. I won I won a few national titles, boxed for my country. Um, I never believed that I got the chances to go to the big major tournaments. Olympics. Um, Olympics, Commonwealth Games. Because at the time, there was um, a lad called Frankie Gavin, unbelievably talented. Um, and he, he'd go to all the major tournaments, and rightly so, but Frankie ended up missing the weight for the Beijing Olympics in 2008. And with that, it was sort of like, I was just sort of, I was going to squads, weren't really enjoying them, didn't think I was learning too much at the time. And just thinking, but there's no end product here. So that's why I decided to turn professional. Um, probably a little bit too early, really. I was still a boy, but... Yeah, yeah. It was 18, 19? 19, 19 I yeah. was, but I was uh, I was still a kid, really. But yeah, I just thought I'd try and get a start like that. What was your first fight like? My first fight, it was um, it was at the arena. So you've got to bear in mind, I've been at that arena as, you know, as a, as a, a young child supporting some of the greats of British boxing, you know, before Ricky Atten, obviously the Manchester lad, your Nazi Mohammed, Joe Calzaghi's, and just sort of dreaming of one day, you know, headlining there. I mean, at the time they had made me pro debut there. So yeah, that was, that was the perfect stage, you know, for it. But um, it was one of them I thought, there was a chance for something called a live floater, where if it works out well, I would have gone on just before Joe Calzaghi in front of a packed out stadium. It works out bad, you're going on after the main event. So unlucky for me, it worked out bad. So <laughs> only the, the cleaners mm -hmm. and the uh, the few hundred tickets mm -hmm. that sold was in there. But yeah, no, it was um, no, it was perfect. That was the start of you know my pro why, career. Why? Why is that? Why? So sometimes I'll see That's the main event, but then the cameras will go on and interviewing, but somebody's fighting. Why is that? But I don't know. Because, what does that mean? Because it's got it's, everything's got to run to television. Right. You know, you can't overrun because then it, right. goes, it runs into programs uh -huh. after that. And that's all it uh -huh. is. And um, like I said, it can either be a really good thing or a really bad thing. And the handful of times I had it, I never got any luck. I was always <laughs> after the main event. So, yeah. yeah. How good, how, touch on Joe Kozaki. 
do you know think he's underrated for, the, for, for what he's done he's got one of the again. greatest ever yeah without a doubt and uh, for me he's, he's my favourite British fighter yeah. ever and obviously Ricky being a Mancunian but yeah Joe and it was you know what it is James well you know when they say about I'd say he's one of my heroes and when they say about meeting your heroes but with Joe Calzaghe it was the opposite like just a great guy and mm. it's just like I remember in Bournemouth I mean, yeah it was, it was not even a year ago Um was out sort of with him and, you know, you're having a drink and... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And you think, it's mad how things work out. Do you know, if someone would have told you one day, oh, you'll be having a drink with your hero mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, he's um, a ah, great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Done great things. Phenomenal career. Yeah. And Ricky Hatton, how's that relationship for him being a blue and you a red? That's nice. Good, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's mate, yeah, he's a good rivalry. Yeah. He's a good rivalry. But uh, I always sort of said it. With uh, I'd always go out with only Ricky, you'll never see that support again. Like taking 30,000 people over to Vegas, and I think you know, Ricky sort of united, he'd have reds and blues, he'd have reds there, you know, at the um, arena watching him. And likewise, when I, I'm not comparing myself to Ricky, but I'd have you know, city fans who'd come and watch us, he'd have all the city songs being sang, I'd have all the United songs being sang throughout, but um. Ricky was just a massive, massive inspiration. You know, when you see a young Manchester lad off the estate um, do so well, he, he can only help but dream. You can only help yeah. but dream. And um, that that was it. You just, I think every, not even every Mancunian kid, I think almost every Brit wanted to be like Ricky Atten at the time. You'd never seen, you'd never seen support like it for a fighter. Why do you think some people, because you've got a massive support as well, every yeah. time your arena was absolute bouncing. bouncing yeah. Why is that? Is that Manchester or is I that... Think to, what, why do you think some just, fighters have got a great reputation, but yet others yeah. are great fighters, but nobody likes them? I think what was... Obviously, I think with Ricky, he was just seen as one of the lads, wasn't he? He was seen as one of the lads. Out of the pints and, and that. And stuff. And I think with us, I was just like, I was always involved in the amateur scene and at shows and, you know, boxing shows and... And there was good, there was good rivers and listen, obviously then a football team attaches yourself to, you know, I was great where a load of Manchester United supporters, realistically, probably don't remember seeing any of the fights, but they had a full day on the piss, mm-hmm. you know, watching the football and, um, and then coming to watch us. But it was, and I think that was it really. They just, obviously I had a bit of a story as well, which, which took off. Um, I think that, that helps. And I just think 
Ricky and I think myself, if you, if you're good to people and they like that and they buy into it and they want to support you and they want to see you do well. And I was always really thankful of yeah. that. That's really good on it. Cause I know we'll touch on it later down, but when you, in your yeah. face, is it hometown? That song? Was yeah, it James? Hometown, what a tune Glory, that is, by the way, yeah. And then it was bouncing. You'll tend yeah. to see Manchester, Liverpool, Glasgow. Yeah. The fans are tight. Yeah. Leeds, they're all fucking very nuts. Very similar cities. I know yeah. rivalry like, but very similar cities. A lot of the time it's just football that separates mm -hmm. them, but very similar cities. Yeah, but if somebody comes through the ranks, they will unite. Because yeah. Tony Bellew was on and he says totally. he's a mad blue, but he is. He's, a, he's a scouser before he has a blue. Is, yeah. I love that. No, of course, he's right. And I heard that and I'd be the same here. Like I'm, I'm a big United fan, but I'm a manker and I'm a proud man mm -hmm. before anything. Yeah. So yeah, I've just like even what we've had recently going on with the Lord Mayor, you know, Andy Burnham and that. Mm. I'm like getting that side leader. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I yeah. like that shit as yeah. well, mate. Bend a brain yeah. for no one, mate. Telling you, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> so when you started going through your professional career, you yeah. went eight undefeated. Was it eight undefeated? Yeah. And then you get a loss. How yeah. was that? Because you had two early so losses was, in your yeah, career. Yeah, two early losses, and but the first loss, Jordan taught me, James, and I think it's sort of a lesson for anything in life. I was seen as this you know, young, hot prospect coming through. I'd not really put a foot wrong. And then um, it was like my first TV date. And I remember like, may I remember writing out the status on Facebook or something, it would have been back in the day. Do you know, tune in, blah, blah, I'm on at this time. And um, I don't want to say it was an humbling because I was never, honestly, I was never the cocky type, but I got beat um, my first time they showed me on TV proper um, by unboxing what you call the journeyman. And it wasn't, and basically a journeyman, someone who turns up most weeks, gets beat, but looks to go the distance so he can fight again. You don't have a 30 day suspension. And um, yeah, but the guy used to follow media and basically it was like, it was a part-time ice cream man. So you can imagine how that went down, can't you? <laughs> Mr. Whippy and all that and stuff. Um, yeah, so it was it was a mad stuff. I'm gonna remember like my best mate after it, we're, we're um, sat in the car park and, we're going, I'd always like go out after the fight and you know, you see everyone local who bought tickets. I always thought, you know, it's good to sort of say thank you. Um, and I remember thinking, I think I'm saying like, oh, I don't want to go in here, you know. Fucking eyes here, stitches in my head and stuff. And he went, no, he went, get it out of the way. You go out there, because a lot of people there, you'll address it straight away. You're not hiding, you're not showing your face. And it was for me, I, I was embarrassed and that's no disrespect to the opponent, but I put it right later on in my career, but it was sort of, do you know what I seen, James? I seen who was there for the long run. I seen who was there for the long run and I sold a lot of tickets, but then the fight after, those tickets got cut in half because, and I don't, it's one of them, I didn't take it personal. There was a few of my mates like, oh, fucking sellouts. Then the sellouts, I was like, no, I said, there after the, Ricky would finished at the time, sort of, or he's there, thereabouts. And they wanted a, a journey to follow. Yeah, they wanted a replacement and, they thought I was going to be it. And if I'm getting beat off part-time boxers, part-time ice cream mans, I'm not going to be the guy to take mm -hmm. him to Vegas or to give him those big nights at the arena. So I understood it. And they come back later in my career buying tickets. And I was thankful when they come back because I thought, do you know, I know, but I also realized people around me who was there for me. I learned early on, do you know, who was there for the long run, who was there for the tough times and who wasn't. So I, I learned early on, you know, he was in my circle and he was going to stay in my circle. What was the mindset like after the defeat, take a couple of it days was, off or straight back at yeah, the gym? Yeah, it was. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't too sort of well after it, but no excuse, but I, um, 
So I had to have a bit of a break, but I just wanted to put things right. I just wanted to put things right. And um, and that's it. Well, I just wanted to get in the stream. We boxed a few fights later and I did put it right, but it was just, it was hard. It was hard to take, do you know what I mean? You, you stopped getting looked at the same. You stopped getting looked at the same and you was just remembered for getting beat. And that that was it. You wasn't remembered for being, all of a sudden I wasn't this, ah, oh, the next big thing around Manchester. And it was, it was very sort of, Wow, brought the bubble burst. Earth with, yeah, the bubble burst. Yeah. Well and truly. <laughs> mate, yeah. Western Whippy, yeah? Mate, yeah. It's um, oh my mates are brutal, like the WhatsApp group every lad has and oh <laughs> mate. Terrorised me. Yeah. But that's what and makes it, you um, of course appreciate life and yeah. it's all the obstacles and the knockdowns that make you a better person. Some people don't react to them well, and that's why they'll never fulfill yeah. any needs or fulfill and, any life ambitions. I could have walked away from it there and stuff what we were saying earlier, maybe gone down the wrong path then and thought, well, I'll try and earn a few quid doing something else. But I thought, no, stick with it. Mm -hmm. In 2012 me. was the fight with, was English title with Kieran Farrell. Yeah. How's that yeah. for a boxer when, if you end somebody's career in it the was, ring, how does that affect that you? That was the darkest moment in my career that, you know, James. Yeah. Like I said, I mentioned, you know, losing for the first time. I lost fights after that as well. And I lost, do you know, with with that, so obviously for anyone who don't know, we had, you know we had a great fight. It was for an English title. It was on a non TV show. And listen, I had I had a job ready to start Monday because I wouldn't have been able to. Be, I would have lost that. There's no way I could have been a full time pro. So I would have had a job. My mate had a security company and he gave me a job in the offices. And it was sort of a bit brutal, as in where you lose on Friday, mate. The job's there for you Monday and you start. He said, Yeah, you still train, but you won't be able to be a full time pro. And it was off TV. It was online and. It was in a cold, it was a warehouse called The Bowlers. They have a lot of raves there now and stuff like that, but it was a cold, cold um, night. And in there, it was, do you know what I mean? You could see your own breath. It was freezing in there. And the real sort of bare pit atmosphere, you know, came in a bit of a Manchester dive. He was just outside in a place called Haywood. And I think the crime rate must have been zero there because I think half of Haywood had turned <laughs> up that night. And obviously, I did, we had a rowdy crowd and... Um, Anyway, we boxed and we had we had a great fight and I come through it, one on points and just after the final bell, seconds after, Kieran collapsed and I was a bit like, wow, I, this was before a decision had been given or anything like that. You know, what's going on? What's going on? And uh, I'm seeing, and the next thing I'm seeing a stretcher come in the ring and the next thing I'm seeing he's on oxygen and I'm like, I know the brutal side of boxing, but this was, I was experiencing it for real for the first time. And yeah, James, it was, I don't want to say the darkest moment of career, probably the darkest moment of my life, really, mm. do you know? And um, there's an image that never leaves me. And I remember him getting stretched out the ring and I'm just looking like, what, what's going on? And I remember his mum, God bless her, she's holding on to his hand, she's holding on to her little son's hand and she's breaking her heart and he's, he's you know, he's unconscious. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do this no more. Do you know, like, it still lives with me. And for, anyway, you know, thankfully, Kieran, he had a bleed on the brain, he could never box again. But he's ended up making a full recovery. I was actually with him yesterday. Um, he trains fighters and stuff and he's made a full recovery now. He can never box again, but for months, it was just, it left me and my trainer said, he went, it took you a bit to get over that. He said, I watched, you just lost a little bit of devilment yeah. in the ring and you just wasn't the same fighter. And I couldn't see him for, 
I didn't see him for good. It sounds bad, this, because I'm not that kind of guy where I was thinking, should I go? And I remember after the fight just being up all night and you're looking for updates and there's a lot of Chinese whispers in your ear and he takes a turn for the worst and stuff. And I'm just thinking, I just want this boy to pull through. Do you know, there can be rivalry before and stuff. I just want this to come through. I just want him to come through. And, you know, thankfully he did, but I couldn't turn up to the hospital because I thought, I didn't know how his family was going to be or it just wasn't the time. And then I left it a bit of time and it just, it's one of them, you know, when you put things off and you keep putting it off and putting it off. And, and to be fair with Kieran, I've told him this and he says, do you know what, I'm glad you did. He said, because I probably needed that bit of cooling off period. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I remember one day and I said, oh, I dropped him a message and said, you know, I'd love to come and see the gym one time and all that. I didn't really want to, so I was just scared, but I, just, uh-huh. I knew it was the right thing to do. And he went, yeah, yeah. And then he saw, I said, come up. Uh, I remember just getting in the, <laughs> getting in the car, putting the postcode in. I just turned my phone off thinking, I'm just going, I'm not looking uh-huh. at anything on my phone till, till I get there or speaking to anyone, because otherwise I might turn around. Anyway, I went in and with a minute or two, it was fine then. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a little bit mm-hmm. awkward. We're good mates now. We're good mates. And um, all he ever wanted is like, you know, him to do well now and stuff like that. But yeah, when you see someone potentially nearly lose their life, you know, at your hands, it just, it did, it affected me in a big yeah. way. And I didn't, I love boxing. I love the training and stuff, but I thought, do I want to do this anymore? Yeah, that it's, shows you how brutal it is, though. But that shows you I've your character it. because you are such a good yeah. guy that no, it would, you would have lost that fire in the thank ring. Thank you, and I did. I didn't know I did until like I got told like after it, and then it come back. It come back, boy. It was um, it was horrible. Do you know, like I was scarred with. Like I say, I can still see it there clear now. Just his mum holding his hand and she breaking Oof. her heart, and I thought could have been my mum that, and yeah. I know she would have been the same and. That sport, mate, it's, it's brutal. brutal. It yeah. is. I've seen it like just, I've seen that. I always say about boxing, I imagine about most sports, the highs are so high. Like, you know, I've had some of the best nights of my life, but the lows, and not even just me, like the lows, they get you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've seen friends and I've seen friends, partners upset and family members who, you know, with their heart broke. And I'm just like, it gets you, do you know what yeah. I mean? It gets you, and I'm like... Do you think if he died, you, you would have quit boxing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would have quit boxing. I wouldn't have... I couldn't have done it. I, I wouldn't have been able to stay in a boxing gym. I don't... I don't... It sounds dramatic, but I'd have always, like, say, worked with my amateur club and with the kids and stuff like that. I don't think I could have stopped in a boxing gym again. I think I would have had to move away from it altogether. Um, thankfully he didn't and it's mad like now obviously he trains his own fighters and stuff like that but yeah if if um, it would the worst would have happened I don't think I don't yeah. watch boxing again it's class that you're both now friends because he was yeah. 14 and 0 at the time he yeah, was he coming was, through the he ranks was, he was coming through he was a good fighter mm. and I believe that night he, he would have beat a lot of good fighters and it was just it's sad and maybe it's in you know it was in has planned for him to go a different way and that's what he's doing yeah. now. Fair play to you. So after that then, because you fought for the British title maybe two or three fights later, was it Yeah, Derry? I'd won it. No, that was before it. That was that was before, before the match? It. Yeah. You lost that one yeah, before that? Yeah, so, so I'd won it and then I'd, I lost I lost it. So like saying my career had a lot of ups roller and downs, coaster. mate, a proper <laughs> roller coaster. So that was another one where, you know, you're in your own town and I'd, I'd got my career back and tried absolutely flying and, you know, underestimated someone. I don't think underestimated. I just got caught by a shot, and I didn't 
you know, you got beaten in your own backyard. It was sort of just up the road, really, where it was. And that was another one of them where you think, I remember getting out and thinking, I'm done with this boxing game. But, you know, you say things in the heat of the moment. And it, like I say, you know, with the lows being so low, I remember getting back to my parents' house and my dad's going, on, you know, just watch this. And I'm like crying my eyes out. As my, you know, as I'm watching this fight and I'm thinking, oh, but again, it's just get it over and done with. And then you, you look to build. Tomorrow's a new day. You look to build again. And then we boxed again. We drew, didn't we? Um, you won that fight, though. That's I it. thought yeah. so. I thought everyone, I think nearly yeah. everyone thought that. And there's plenty of bit of crowd for that night. And yeah, it's, it's, someone was just talking about it earlier. But yeah, just great nights, you know, in boxing, like mad atmosphere. The old echo, it was in Liverpool. And really, I should have either give it a job or I thought it'd be different. But yeah. yeah, but like you say, a proper roller coaster. And thankfully, sort of after that, my career took off then in a big way. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think that helps a fighter when they yeah. get low and you've still got the strength to kick on. Definitely, and, and because from fighting. early on, I'd lost a few early on before, you know, kicking on with my career. Like, after that, we... Um, I was like handed a chance and I was the opponent with Eddie Earn. So I was fighting a lad of Welsh called Gavin Reese, who was a good, good fighter. And I knew again, my, my little lad was on the way and you know, my partner was a few months away from giving birth. And again, that was one of them where I knew if I won that fight, I could be a full-time professional. If not, I thought I'm gonna have to have a job on the side. Then you don't know, you, you can't concentrate the way that you you want to on training and you don't know how you'll develop and you might think, you know what, I'll do something else. I'll um I'll do something else as a career. But thankfully I come through and that then gave me the deal with Matchroom, which then it took off. It took mm. off for me, thankfully. How is it though if your missus is pregnant, does that change your mentality as if you can't get in there willing to basically die to then start having other priorities no, and not think I, about yourself? I I was, I was always it's it's you know Bad thing to say, but I was always willing to leave it in there. I was mm -hmm. always willing to leave it in there, but you know, I think you're doing it for the your family, children, yeah. your family, aren't you? And I knew winning that night would then give me a deposit on an house, and then it'd make life, you know, a little bit. We get us get us on the ladder because for the first few months, I was living in, you know, my partner's their parents' house, her parents' house. Um, so I didn't want that, you know. I'm a proud man, I wanted to. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to supply, you know, for your family yourself. But yeah, that's that's what that does. But it's mad because even in title fights and world title fights, there'll be a form you have to sign. It's such a strange one. It's if the worst is to happen to you, where are your wages going? 
and you know I'm having to put basically a next of kin down and who who you want what percent you want going to such a body and and yeah so it's mad like as you and it's always on the fight day or the fight before but you're thinking I'm like potentially I'm Same signing your a letter. yeah it's like I'm signing a will here to see mm -hmm. where my wages are going yeah it's fucking scary shit man yeah isn't it? you fought a couple of my Scottish boys uh, yes. we touched on Willie Lemon first yeah who's an absolute nutcase I love Great Willie guy. I love Willie I don't, I don't love Willie I love Willie Lemon though <laughs> 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 or maybe I do do you know what I mean <laughs> no character he's yeah. on the podcast he spoke Great highly guy. of you on the nah. podcast Willie's one of the best people I've met in boxing mm -hmm. in life, not just boxing. He's yeah. a great guy. And um, it was mad. We actually ended up boxing each other. But before that, I'd gone down, sparring down Glasgow. And... Um, Go farm look. Yeah, stopping in Gafam. Mm. Great neighbourhood. Yeah, great, nice great neighbourhood. Mate, mate everyone's door was just left open. You'd walk into <laughs> That's because they've all been kicked in with the balls, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah, I remember everyone just walking. I'd be thinking... What's this? Yeah. Do you know like I never know? Oh, just sit down. I yeah. thought, but I thought it was great, me. Just mm -hmm. then, everyone was by the end of the week or a few weeks. I knew everyone. Do you know what I mean? It was great. I would probably felt free to walk in people's yeah. houses, <laughs> but what an area! And um, it was mad, and it was it was that tough, like because I struck up a little friendship with these two little lads, and then a year later we boxed, we fighting each other for a British title, and do you know it went my my way that night, and. Um, I could hear his son, you know, a little bit upset ringside and that's tough, do you know what I mean? And thankfully, Willie come in, see me after it and brought the lads in, um, Drew and Jake and just two great kids. But they're like, after it, again, I don't know people say, oh, he sounds soft, but that one I'm hearing his son, you know, ringside. And I think that's horrible. It's horrible. Then when they come in after it and literally, you know, show them the belt and stuff, the, the great, you know, that's the mm -hmm. lovely side of the sport. And, uh, but... Yeah, William on Scotland, no, great place, mad. Glasgow. Mad, what, a career, mad. what a career I know, man. He went yeah, to Mexico and then Mexico, when he, his career was flying, I think he was still undefeated when he fought Can. Put Can yeah. in his ass, I think. Can actually got yeah. over 10 seconds, Can. Yeah, he got the long count, yeah. didn't he? But yeah, Willie was very, very good. Uh, we was at, yeah, I remember we was at, was you at Peter Harrison's gym that day? Oh, no, that was a few years later yeah. when I'd gone, but... Mm -hmm. Great, real sort of, well, you know, real fighting city, Glasgow. Yeah, oh, it's nuts. Ricky Burns as well, another Ricky, great yeah, fight, just two Warriors. Outside of, yeah, and I think with that, there was a great atmosphere that night because the arena had not long been open after the Manchester bombing and it was, do you know what, that's the only fight, that James, and Ricky's a great guy and stuff, but I remember before I had the worst nerves. Everyone was a pretty, I was pretty cool, mate. It was, for me, it was just a job. Do you know, I'm certainly not a violent person. It was just a fight and... We're going to shake hands after it. And that's how he always looks at it, especially with Ricky. He's a nice, nice guy. And, um, but it wasn't long after the bombing and I had great support that night. You know, a few made the trip down for Ricky as well. But um, I always remember in the day, I went for a little walk. My mum and my auntie had always come and see me on the day of the fight. She couldn't come to the fights, like, two nerves. And I'd have a bit of a sit down with her. She'd have a coffee and that, you know, just let her know, see it. I'd be all right and everything. And um, I remember some old woman, I was walking back to my hotel room and she says, oh, she goes, good luck tonight. We're all rooting for you. And I says, oh, thank you, love. She went, we're going to watch you, all the family. And she went, don't be letting us down. I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, oh. I remember she was an old, yeah. she only an older woman. She, you know, mm -hmm. she went, there's a lot of, with what we've had in this city lately, you know, you put a smile on our face. And do you know when someone just stitch you and you think, You've got to embrace pressure sometimes. That's what I believe, you know, there's a lot of people who'd love to be in your position, but 
that just got me. And I remember being locked in my hotel room and thinking, I wish it was someone else tonight. Do you know yeah. everything that had happened mm-hmm. and stuff like that? And I remember, I remember my cousin, she was there that, that horrible night. Thankfully she was all right. She, <sighs> she probably missed, she probably, I'm not over-exaggerating, she probably missed death by a few seconds. Um, you know, she was covered in blood through the explosion and it, it was like just very sort of surreal, sort of. Eerie, kind of. Yeah, like it wasn't long after it. There was there was an event a few weeks before, but mm-hmm. it was it was a packed out crowd and yeah. Were you worried that, that that could have happened at your event? <sighs> Do you know what? I I wasn't because I knew sort of security checks mm-hmm. and stuff, but you just don't know. It was mm-hmm. it was a big crowd to have in, and if it was target, it was a possible target. Security was so tight. Mm-hmm. But still, it was an horrible worry, and like there's, there's family members there, there's friends. Listen, not just that, there's people who paid the money to come and support me. Yeah. Are you a worrier, Anthony? What's Do you that? worry a lot? Overthink? <sighs> do you know what? I think I do have things, but at the same time, I learned from a friend that there's no point in worrying about things that you've got no control of. It's a waste of energy, and if you've no longer got control of, of that, you can only hope hope it pans out the way you do and if you're going to stress and worry about things then it's just wasted energy you're sending mm-hmm. yourself mad yeah so after that career started thriving got a few wins under your belt yeah and then you got the world title shot but you ended up chasing two burglars <laughs> down the street you, you yeah. fractured skull you broke your ankle yeah what's that story mate yeah i think a lot of a lot of them will know about that but it was um it was like four weeks before my first world title fight, like I said, worked hard for it and Christmas was cancelled in my house that year. And anyway, my, my trainer at the time, my trainer, Joe's been my trainer throughout really after my first sort of 12 fights or something. Joe at the time, he said I was flying and um, he said, listen, I want, I was going to the running track. He said, I want you to have the night off. He said, you're ahead of schedule. I don't want you peaking over, you know, getting there too soon. I just want you to go home, rest up, spend some time with the family and I'll see you in the morning, we'll fire up again. So I was like, right, okay. I had my running stuff with me, so I'd literally diverted and gone home. So as I pulled up, the next door neighbours, um, alarm's going off and straight away, like like anyone, if you hear an alarm going off, you're just thinking, when's that going to go off? Um, and I I went, I actually phoned my next door neighbour at the time. I've gone, Craig, I've gone... Your alarm's going off here, mate. I said, I don't think anyone's in. And he said, you know what? I'll ring the missus now. I think she's just gone gym. So he rang her anyway. And jokingly, I said, oh, just check no one's in the house. Um, anyway, I've gone in and it's still going off. I put me, I put me um, gym bag in. I've gone round to the back garden. And what I've done, I'm there, I'm looking. And I've got my torch out on my phone. And I thought, is that, window? Is that you know, like the shadow? Anyway, I've looked and there's a big hole in the window. So I think, it's just, anyway, next thing, someone pops their head out. Um, you, you know, automatically, like, I get the fuck out. Do you know, like, so I've ran through my house and gone round to chase him. Well, I didn't know there was one. So then looks at the end of the street, there's two, so there's two of them. So I'm like a man possessed. I'm speaking to him, like started chasing them, chasing them both. And I'm like, listen, you're not going to get away from me. Just Come here. He was getting married at the time, Craig and his missus, and I thought I didn't know what savings was. I didn't know. I know not everyone keeps cash and stuff, but I didn't know what it was about. And 
so I've chased them, I've chased them, I'm talking to them as I'm chasing them, and I think they thought, we're not getting away from this lunatic. You know, so within 100 metres later, they've gone down the side garden, the side of a garden, and um, I've cornered them both in. And then I always say, it's like, I can't exactly put one under each arm. Do you know when I thought, I'm going to walk you back. So I just thought, you know what? You go, you're coming with me, and you're going to either have to snitch on your mate if anything's missing or what. Um, so one of them goes, and just my luck, there's a concrete slab that's loose as he's climbed it. As I'm in the corner there, next thing, I just feel this bang on my head. Um, he slammed the concrete slab down, you know, on my head. And, I, and I've gone down, but I didn't know it was a concrete slab at the time. I've hit the floor, I've gone down on my knee, gone over on my ankle. And I've gone, wow, what? I knew I'd not been punched. I'd been punched a lot and I knew that wasn't a punch. And anyway, I jumped up straight away, like within a few seconds. And your man who was who hadn't got away, he was climbing over. I've jumped up to try and grab him and he's already halfway over and I couldn't put any weight on my foot. So he's got away and I'm fuming, thinking, what the, do you know what I mean? And um, anyway, so I'm raging, thinking, but at the time I can't put any weight on my foot. I can't put any weight on my foot. And then I'm I'm, I'm walking, um, I'm trying to, I'm hobbling home and then the next door neighbour and me, um, and uh, my missus, she's, she's like, what's happened? I'm covered in blood. Um, and I'm like, I don't know, the victim was something, they put a brick or a slab on me. I didn't know what it was, it turned out it was a concrete slab. Um, I said, but I can't put any weight on me. So I've literally hobbled home, it was a few hundred metres away, hobbled home. My mate, one of my good mates, he's not on the house to pick up tickets for my fight. Um, and, you know, news travels pretty quick and everyone's out and he's, he's brought some people in. You know, two lads, was, you know, just to check it wasn't them. And they're like, no, no, we was just in the area. So yeah, my mum, she did, she's ran round. My mum, like, she only lived at the time five minutes away. She's going, she's going ballistic at me, you know, trying to be an hero and stuff like that and stuff. And, and my mate's talking anyway. And um, he's going on about us. And in my head, I'm thinking about the fight. I'm thinking about the fight's four weeks away. And I'm talking, going, ah. Oh, meant to be sparring tomorrow and then he went and you can see people looking at me I went but sparring what I'll do and then you're sparring you can't even stand up and I went I know but I'll just swim for I'll have to get Lee's off the running I'll just swim for a week or something and I'll be right then next week and then my head's cut wide open the bleeding's not stopping and you could see you know people around there that you could see them going never in a million years are you fighting but they probably didn't have the heart to tell me I'm just like talking mad going, you know, my head guard will cover that. I mean, it's not ideal. It could come open in a fight. And anyway, my uncle who lived up the road, he'd come, he went, listen, I'm going to have to get you to hospital because next door's mum, she was a nurse and she'd come in and she was trying to stop the bleeding, but he was going to, you need to get to hospital. They got me there. The ambulance was taking, too, you know, too long. And we got in the hospital, they rushed me through and um, they recognised me. And so anyway, they've got me through and, and I'm thinking, it was a brain scan or something like that. And they've stitched me up and all that. And I'm thinking, brain scan? I'm getting a fucking brain scan. I only had one from the medical the other week. I'm fine. Um, I'm just thinking about the fight. And in my head, I'm like, do this, do that. And um, anyway, and I'm still like, I'm high on adrenaline, you know, at this time, even though my, my ankles, which I didn't know, was broken a few places. It's, um, I remember it, my uncle, he was there, my uncle Darren and... Um, Fran, she was with me. And we, 
the doctor sort of come into me and he says, um, they took me through to this room. I said, you're the boxer, aren't you? And I says, yeah, yeah, you are, mate. I said, uh, he said, you had a fight coming up, didn't you? I said, yes, I'm fighting for my first world title. In, um, in four weeks, I said, nightmare, this isn't it, but I'll be all right. And, uh, <laughs> and um, your man, he got, and never forget, he said, listen, that won't be happening. And I remember thinking, no, of course it will. What do you mean it won't be out? And he says, you've got a fractured skull. You've got a fractured skull. Yeah. And I remember just going numb, just absolutely numb and sort of going out. And I don't I don't even know, I couldn't tell my uncle or Fran. And I don't remember, someone told him. And I remember my uncle down and he just went, and I'll leave you to it. Because I think he knew I wanted to break down, wanted to break down. And he just got up and uh, left me and oh, I cried like a baby, I did. Because it was like, just moved into a house and I thought, Oh my God, if I can't box, how am I going to, you know, supply for my family and stuff like that? And yeah, it was, it was just a bit surreal for me. And then obviously you're up all night in the pain and stuff like that. So they moved me, they moved me onto like a private ward because, you know, papers and TV and stuff like that. I didn't know what was going on. And because there was, I was just there on a ward and they were saying, we're going to move you. And I was going, I'm all right here. It's okay. Went, no, we've got to move you because, um, and as the movie, the next thing, I remember like up all night and like sort of not enough and, you know, eye on painkillers, whatever it may be that was giving me. I remember thinking, it was on something like GMTV. Then it was on BBC Breakfast and then it was on Sports. And I was thinking, what have they given me? Yeah, is this happening? You know, like, <laughs> what the fuck have they given me? And um, anyway, it dawned on me then, like, and it just, for me then, that was a big thing for me, James, where I knew positive thinking was a big, you know, a big part in recovery. Do you know, you sit there feeling sorry for yourself. And I probably did have an excuse to feel sorry for myself. You know, I was heartbroken, but I just thought, I made a decision there and then that I've got it over this. And what, what totally triggered it, I remember going down to surgery, uh, this would have been on my ankle, and I was getting pushed through, and there was an older person on lay on the bed and they didn't have long you could just sort of see like they was in very ill health and I looked at him and you thought you I thought you're not coming out of hospital you know not not in that kind of way and sort of just managed to raise his head and let on to me sort of thing and you know smile back and I thought I'm crying here over this and someone's gonna lose their dad granddad whatever and you know just stop being stop being mad and just that and I always said then I thought everything goes well I get recovered you know I can make a recovery and I'm allowed to box again I've been it's like I've been given a second chance in life make sure I take advantage of it make sure I get everything I can out of it and I always had that attitude but that was a, just a reminder do you know what I mean that was a reminder where it was like I came so close to losing it all so close to losing it all and Thankfully, I got a second chance in life. Uh, not in life, but with my career. Um, and that's that's sort of what I did. And I got off. They gave me painkillers for months. And within like a week or so, I'd, I'd got myself off. And even though I didn't have much sleep and stuff, and I went... Because I think, with me, I think like them painkillers and stuff, those prescription stuff, they, we know they can... It's they like can your be, banana. Yeah, they can. They can and I just, I'm just really against them. And... I'm not the biggest guy anyway, but I was going super skinny and I just thought, this, I can't recover on these. There's no way I can recover on these. And 
and that was it. I'd, I just, that was there and then where I thought, no, I'm going to get myself better. And it was just so fast, the recovery. Scary that to think that instead of just shouting out the window or yeah. making noises, just, <laughs> you went and chased two burglars. You've already done yeah. the damage and they've ran. Yeah. But that I just know. shows again your character. Try yeah. to help your neighbours because you're thinking they've stole and everyone's, of money. They might have something, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And that was my thing. Where you could have got fucking stabbed. Could have done, could have done, but it don't think, you know, at the time and you, you're one of them and everyone says, oh, did you find out? Never found out mm. who it was. And after a bit, I was like, you know, you're a bit resentful and people, this isn't in a big way, but people was like, you find out who it is, let me know. And, you know, something bad probably would have happened to them, but I just thought, not me trying to sound a good guy, but if you're robbing houses, you're pretty desperate, aren't you? Yeah. And, you know, and then after a bit, I thought, I don't want to know because what, what pleasure am I going to get out mm. of? What, give him a good idea or have someone give them a good idea yeah. or I'm not going to get... Then I just, you become no different. I ge- yeah, I genuinely hope they stopped doing what they was doing. That mm. was their... Shock. That scared them a bit thinking that can't ever get out. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And if genuinely now, I, I mean, if, if I saw the person, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for them or all like that. It's just like, it was hopefully a, a bad time in their life. It was hopefully a yeah. bad time in their life and, and that was it, mate. That's you amazing know. that you think like that, brother. Fair I've, play to you, man. No, but I just thought, you know, you're hand on. It's like... Mm-hmm you know, holding on to a not piece of coal, you're just going to yeah. get burnt, aren't you? And, mm-hmm. and for a bit, I was bitter and I thought, you horrible little fuckers. Do you know, if I can't box again, if I ever find out who you are, I'm going to kill you and stuff like that. And then I just thought, and in time, time's a healer, isn't it, with a lot of things. Yeah. And um, and that was it. Whereas now, I just, what good would it do me do? I hope I never find out if it would do, yeah. then I hope, do you know what I mean? Maybe if you just get a, a message one day yeah. for an apology. You never know. As you know, I interview a lot of, bad men who were bad in the past and done a lot of bad yeah. shit and you kind of people kind of know now their upbringing yeah of course been, they've had there a lot of pain they're younger so they there might be young yeah. kids yeah and yeah. again they might have seen the, you in the news world yeah. title contender yeah lying there with a fucking bandage on mm. the head and that could have that been a way of the call off. yeah, yeah and, might and i hope it i hope it you did, could so. cross paths in 10 years and they could go look yeah. me and apologize and if it if it does then do you know what i mean it was it was worth getting belted over the other <laughs> part do you know what i mean but yeah world title contender in hospital four weeks later well, you must have been so after that then what were you thinking when did you get the all clearer were you thinking my oh, career's I, done i was having earth i was having to brain scans and stuff brain scans and then a bit more in detail i remember waiting on the board and it was like when i was waiting to find out it was just, I couldn't sleep because I kept, like I said, I kept thinking, what am I going to do for a living if I don't, I think I would have been involved in summit and hopefully I had a lot of good friends who would have helped me with a job or something like that. But boxing, I'd sort of put all my eggs in one basket and that's what I'm saying about kids at school. When I went on about, well, I'll do this so I've got something to fall back on. I never did have something to fall back on. I was probably, you know, I was, I was lying to my mum and dad saying, oh, I've done this and that and I'm, I'm past this at college or school and really I was just wanted to be in the gym. I just wanted to be in the gym. So it was then that it come back to me and thinking, why didn't I do that just in case? Because I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, thankfully, I, I got the all clear, but like you say, having a fractured skull being a professional boxer, it ain't the best injury to have, is it? So yeah, I got I got the all clear and yeah because somebody else stepped in and took your place that night and they won actually. Gonna, well, it was Abraham who's going to, and then that fight fell through. So maybe, maybe for some reason, mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be. I don't know, like some some mad reason yeah. why I got it over the head. 
What was Eddie Hearn saying when you were in hospital? He says, you fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 you fucking idiot. You're, uh, you're under 10 stone chasing two burglars down the street. and uh, But that's just how it is. You're uh, with the people we are. If someone's in, I've always been taught, if, you know, if someone's doing wrong like that and your mm. neighbours, you look after your neighbours, don't yeah. you? And you look after your own, and if everyone has that attitude, then there won't be none Fuck of that. Fucking chased there. off a boxer, yeah, you ten stone. Yeah, you're fucked. But it's one of them, uh, like with my mates, do like things you'll do for attention and stuff like that. <laughs> but to make yeah. publicity. But yeah. that'll probably enhanced your Without career tenfold. Do you know what? I remember uh, one of my mates saying to me, "She's down stupid." He went, "This could be the best thing that's ever yeah. happened to you." As I'm laying there, like legging plaster, <laughs> big scar down yeah. my head. Um, yeah, this could be the best thing that's ever happened to mm. you. And in a way, it was like for for the comeback fight for a world title that everyone sort of had a bit of a story to it. You know, say a rocky story, but it had a bit of a story to it, and um, it helped. Of it, course, it did. Eddie will be the first for me. It helped ticket sales. It helped ticket sales a lot. It's probably him at set up, yeah. Master. Yeah. <laughs> He's oh, really out. Well, yeah, it was a shrewd Yeah. Uh, so when you got the call again, yeah, for the first world title fight, yeah, that eventually went through. When did you realise it was getting took to your hometown, Manchester? Yeah. Well, he phoned me and he said, "Listen, on the back of this, he says, I think we can come to Manchester and we can do big numbers." He says. You might not know it, but you become a bit of a celebrity <laughs> with it all. And yeah, that was it in the night in July. Um, we come to the arena, come to the arena. It was my world title fight. And that was it. I thought not many people in life get a chance for the dream, you know, for the dreams to come true. And I thought that night I had a chance to make that dream come true. Who was the nerves? Do you know what? It sounds mad. There was, there was nerves, but it was excitement and it was, it was relief. It was relief. You know, I was back. I was back fighting and I was back doing what I loved and I very nearly lost it. So obviously the first world title fight, it was like it's a really, really debated decision whether it was a draw. Um, it was that controversial. They demanded an immediate rematch, but everyone was like, how did you, do you know, how did you remain so calm after it? I wasn't you. And yeah, I was upset. I was upset, but at the same time, I was just thankful to be doing what I'd done and, I dreamed of top. I dreamed of being in world title fights at that arena since I was a little boy, and I always remember my best mate saying to me when we was on about Joe Calzaga. Um, he bought Jeff Lisa, put in one of the best performances we ever seen in a British ring. And I'm sat there in the in the stands, and he says, "It's coming out," and like best mates do, this will be you one day. This, and at the same time, you're thinking, "Yeah, you would say that," but it always stuck with me. And I'm walking out that night, and that moment replayed to me, you know, sort of. That was my that was my moment to fight, you know, for a world title in the city where I'm from, the arena where I've gone since was being kids, you know, saving up pocket money to go and be in the upper tiers, to be in the gods. Yeah, that was that was my night. So I was I thought I had a lot to be thankful for as well. Was that the James Arthur tune? And did you have Whitney Houston as Whitney well? Always, yes. Yeah, so Whitney Why, Million Dollar How Bill. did your music come about? Obviously, the nickname Million Dollar Crawler, so Million mm -hmm. Dollar Bill fitted, but it's a bit. Um, it's not your typical ring walk music. It's no gangster rap, is it, Whitney? <laughs> but it worked. It worked, as you see. Mm. Like, it was catchy. You'd have everyone uh -huh. singing along. But before it, I'd always have James, James Arthur, um, Hometown Glory. And it just worked well. I was um, I was a sucker for reality TV. And, mm. like, do you know X Factor and stuff? And I always liked him. And I always remember him singing it one week. 
And um, it was mad. It was like, and yeah. So, so Eddie said, what are you coming out to Saturday? The usual, like million dollars. I went, yeah, I said, but what I'm, I'm doing before it sounds a bit cheesy, but I'm coming out to hometown glory. And he went, mate, he said, I have wanted someone to come out to that for years, but not, not the Adele version. There was a guy on X Factor called Jay, and I went, mate, that's the one. And it was like it was meant to be. So every time now, every time after that, I was at the arena. That's what I come out to. Mm -hmm. That's what I come out to. And um, yeah, it was good. And obviously then we got the rematch and it was um, it was one of the, the greatest nights of my life, you know, other than, other than the birth of my little boy. How fast did the rematch come about? The rematch, so it was July. So what happened is I went from being the boxer got hit over the head with a paving slab to the boxer who got robbed of a world title because, you know, it was a draw. It was a controversial draw and horrible decision. But they granted a rematch straight away. So that was in July. Then November, I think it was just after, uh, yeah, it's my birthday. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. I um, I got I got a rematch and the fifth round, I landed one of the best body, body shots. shots yeah I've ever threw in my career. One of the best punches I've ever threw in my career. And yeah, the roof nearly come off the arena. There is, um, and that you sort of see when when you can see the relief. There was so many emotions. There was joy. There was there was relief. And and do you know what I felt like? You know all the sacrifices from my mum getting on buses to me to get me to the gym, to getting run up and down the country to missing out on nights out with my mates to you know, making those sacrifice everything was worth it then and yeah it was like i said not many people's dreams come true in life and that night it did because there was motion that night for him. everything you had went through yeah the slab thing and that's it the that's... rematch losing it the first time did yeah. you feel as if i'm never going to win a world title yeah like there was people who who thought, you know, that was your night last time, you got a bad decision and you should have got the win rather than draw. And they think, well, that's your moment, that was your, that was meant to be, he's going to come back better. And I always knew, I thought, it was mad. Before the fight, the rematch, Eddie Earn said, he was in the, he told me after the fight, he went, I was fuming in the changing rooms. I thought, he's too laid back. But it was like, you know, when sometimes, I can't start saying, oh, I believe in fate and all this and that, but, I knew that was meant to be my night. And I remember thinking, I'm not coming back to this chess room without that world title. And it was the most relaxed I've ever been, which really I should have been the most nervous I've ever been, you know. My shot at a world title might have been my last shot at a world title. But I was the most calm I've ever been. And I thought, I'm going to walk out here and own this and win mm -hmm. a world title. And thankfully, that's what I did. 28 years of age, yeah. That's Go it, shake your mate. hand for that, bro. Well yeah. done, mate. That's amazing, though, from everything that you've went through. And yeah. Such a nice guy, humble as fuck. And, and do, do you know what? I've had Tony Bell, you and stuff on, Willie. All brand new. Just yeah. good fucking guys, man. Boxing. I, I genuinely believe this. Boxing, you're very... Like all walks of life and all jobs, you meet, you meet some snakes. But you meet a lot of good people in boxing. And I'm thankful where... That's why I think I've got to be careful because with boxing, it can be a brutal, horrible sport. I've seen the horrible sides of it, but it's also made my life a little bit easier. It's made, you know, my family's life a little bit easier, give friends some great nights. And it's took me to places around the world that I never would have gone without it, whether that be a fighter, a training camp, supporting people. But um, you meet a lot of lifelong friends in boxing and, and that's what I've done, you know. Yeah. And, and it's worth, like, when when they fight, your friends fight, it's almost, I get more nervous for them than what I did when I fought, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's 
because you're not in control of it. You're not in control of it. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny old game, mate. It's a funny old game. How was game. your mum and dad? My, my dad Did was cool. Did proud of you that night? He might have said it to other people. He might have said it to other people in his reaction. Mm-hmm. But he was. Listen, Of course, was, man. Yeah. But uh, my mum used to always, like, she'd just wait for the message. She'd mind my little boy. And she'd just wait for the message, like, however, you know, I was okay. And she turned, she couldn't, she couldn't watch anything. She just, she couldn't watch the boxing. She's mad. Mum loves boxing, but she mm-hmm. could not watch me. And, um... Yeah, she, I'd always ring her when I got back to the changing room. My mum would be the first person who'd ring and say, yeah, I'm okay, mum, you're all right. And yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah, was it. Title, and then mate. she could watch it then. Yeah. So you defended your title after that? Yeah. And then you lost your title? Yeah. How was that feeling to yeah, have to everything so that you set your I, mind to to then yeah, losing it? I defended my world title in a fight that, again, people didn't expect me to win. And that was possibly the greatest night of my career against Dermot Ismail Barroso. So then after that, I fought for like the best prizes in the sport against a fighter who I'd looked up to, you know, early on in my career, um, Jorge Linares and a great guy, great guy. And we had a great fight, we had a great fight. And um, the first one there and he, he just, I was thinking I was so close to, to breaking him at one point in the fight. And then um, I would have had the most prestigious marbles in boxing. Do you know what I mean? But it wasn't meant to be that night, but... Um, it's, I, I sort of, do you know what it was? Obviously you're disappointed. You've never been, I'm never going to celebrate losing, but it sort of a bit of, it was, it hit me sort of how far I'd come in such a short time from an hospital bed to winning a world title, defending a world title. And then, you know, fighting the very elite in the sport. Why did you never get any, after the slab thing, did you not fight just straight into a world title? I just went straight into a world title because world title fights don't come around. Like yeah. it could, it could have been easily someone else. So it took me all of two seconds to decide. <laughs> you know, That's to a decide. big move, though, isn't it? Yeah, I said, no, take it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Eddie phoned me and he said, you could either have a tune-up fight and then we can hope to get a world title fight, which I think, you know, we can get. I just went, no, we'll take the world title fight. Yeah. World title fight. So after your other two world title shots with what's his name again? The boy. L- there's Linares. Yeah, Linares. Yeah. And then he had the, the few fights in between. But then you got, got a call for shot. When, when did you do the prize fighter? Oh, that was that was way back. Yes, yeah, that, that was, was back, early like, doors, yeah, wasn't it though? That's when you were so, young, young. Yeah, young, but yeah, sort of after after Linares I put a few obviously we boxed Ricker, mm-hmm. um I boxed a good the Indonesian fella, Dow Jordan. But um, also... Lomachenko. Yeah, then that was it, Lomachenko. How did then, that fight come about? Because I do in the mandatory spot, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd won world title final eliminators and I I boxed, I then earned the right to fight one of the greatest the sport's ever seen. Um, and then I think just before that, I think the fight before it was my last big night. It'd been a hard career and I performed. And I, I remember after the fight, before that Jordan fight, my, my, in the post-fight drug test, Mayorian was was purple. Do you know? Um, and that's more about the brutal side of the sport. But yeah, it was. Um, so doing the right to to fight Lomachenko, which obviously was not about doing it. It weren't like I didn't win a lottery. I didn't win a raffle to to fight him. And that was over in um, yeah, but you're Los a little, you're a world champion, yeah, world champion. That was going to two yeah. world cha- two time world champion. Um, and obviously, listen, just before that, I mean, not before the fight, I didn't think like that. But when I look back now, 
my best days are probably just behind me, do you know, before that. Um, but that was a mad experience again, do you know, just little mad things like, I remember the day of the weigh-in, there was, um, you know, the rapper Nipsey Hussle, mm -hmm. it was his funeral and LA, you'd never seen a police presence like it. And as I'm weighing in, you've got your P Diddy's, your, um, your Kanye's and stuff like at the side of where the weigh-in was, you know, going to this funeral and stuff like where the mass was in the Staples Center, um, you know, the service. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, fucking hell, like a boy from sort of New Neath, New Austin, Manchester, like it's a bit mad how this is going yeah, out, you know? So the proud moments, you know, I look back on obviously getting flattened by Lomachenko wasn't, but it was just when I look back and this boxing's a funny old game, um, but I wouldn't, at the time, there'd be times where I'd look to, do you know, change things. But I think everything does happen for a reason in a way. Yeah. And it leads you on the path you're on. And and that was it. It was, it was, it was good to me, but it was, um, it was a mad, mad journey. Do you know that's I mean? a phenomenal career, brother. Do yeah, you think you discredit yourself a little bit sometimes? I don't know. Fuck's sake, world title. Yeah. You've had about four or five world title yeah. fights. You've been a world I, champion. Yeah. You fought one of the best pound for pounds. Yeah. Lomachenko. I seen his fight actually last week. Yeah, um, that was it. That Lopez, Lopez yeah. was immense. Unbelievable. That's it, and I, I fought, I fought the best of my era, really. Yeah. So I can walk away with no regrets. Walk away with no regrets. How was that? because you had one more fight that you won yeah. how was it after that to then did you already decide was yeah. Lomachenko you know, your big payday and then it was kind of retire I was um, it was it was time to retire and then Eddie had, it was mad Eddie had um, messaged me and I said I was saying oh, I think I'm going to have one more fight and Eddie had messaged me and said oh November the 2nd Manchester Arena you know with the eyes emoji as if to say you know think about it and I just landed in a for airport and I've gone, yeah, sign me up, <laughs> sign me up. And um, I'm sure you've been a beefer and it was mad. And I didn't think about the fight, like didn't think about the fight. I think it was just there. And I remember being away for a few days and then coming back and I always caught me, you know, that I'd be for airport. Do you know where that Burger King is? Yeah. You see some corpses, don't you? Everybody you lying see? on the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Burger King <laughs> is death. There's just, there's just bodies there yeah. in there and like people who've probably not mm -hmm. ate for days. And and I didn't. I didn't have a mad one or out like that. I, I was chilled. But I remember going through the airport. And, but I remember thinking, I feel like them. I <laughs> like just thinking, why have you agreed to this? But I've already given a word to it. I've already given a word to it, so I can't go back on it. But I remember thinking, why have I done this? Why have I done this? And I'm, I'm thinking, although I don't look, I don't, hopefully I don't look like some of these people on the inside, I probably feel like him. <laughs> and um, really, I should have retired. And anyway, I committed to it. Ended up having the fight. Um, I won on points, didn't box nowhere near as well as what I should have done. But it gave me closure, you know, on a, on a career. And I just think I wasn't, it's one of them, like, I believe I've looked after myself since. I could probably fight at the same level and make an easier job of it, of it than what I did that night. But I think just the old emotions and I remember looking through my phone on the day and I was getting the nicest of messages from people saying, it's been some ride and it's been an honor to watch you for there. And they made me a bit emotional. And on the night, I think I probably fought with too much emotions, but then at the same time, the fight started a few rounds in and I even got introduced by Michael Buffer for the last time ever, you know, for the mm. last time. And, Everything sort of done me. And then when the bell went, it was like, oh, I've still got a fight here. Do you know, like, 
this leaving party, but I've got to fight now. Yeah. And I was just sort of a bit off with the pace. And like I say, I got the win, but I was just, I wasn't happy with the performance, but I was, I was like annoyed with myself for an hour. Um, you see a few family and friends after it. A drink or two goes down. And do you know what it was? And it was like, I'm glad it's over. Thank God it's over. And that's not because I love boxing. I love the job and I live the dream. Do you know, I, I said it before, it took me to places that I could only dream of. But you meet so many good people. I met like people who was my heroes growing up and, you know, become friendship friends with those people. But I was just glad it was all over. I um I knew I knew it was my time to bow out and I'd seen it with people close to me. You stay in boxing too long, it's not good for you. It yeah. takes more. I always use the line of don't let boxing take more from you than you take from boxing. I've seen it so many times and I want it to be an example to some of the kids in the area. I don't want to be slurring my words. I don't want to be punch drunk. I don't, you know, I don't want balance affected and stuff like that. So I knew it was my time to go. And um, and that was it. That was it, mate. And, Make your um, mind up and that was it. Because 32 is young. Never, yeah, 32 is young, but I'd had... A mad career and I think everything since the accident right through it was it was a mad sort of four years non-stop um was it four years or five years you know on top of that and like I said in in the career you know in touching them there was times where it was hard it was hard you know it was I was called million dollar and I was fucking living in bump beds with my little brother. Do you know what I mean? It was uh, driving around on like my little courser on finance yeah. and stuff I was you know it was hard, it was it was tough where a lot of people I believe would have come away from that. You couldn't afford to, you know, you just sort of getting by with enough money to put petrol in your car to get to the gym. So I knew that I'd got everything I could out of boxing. And sometimes you've just got to let things go, aren't you? All good things come to an end eventually. And that was it. And I didn't want to be that fighter who stayed there too long. Yeah, but that shows you again how sensible you are to yeah. setting your mind to it, agreeing with it and then coming out because yeah. you can be sitting here, listen, you could probably, yes. you, you've potentially just lost another three, four maybe world title shots yeah. that you could still probably yeah, I get involved in now and you'll level, see got some a lot of the boxers days. sitting there and thinking 38, 39 and then they come yeah. back and... That's it and I, I won't do that and a few people have said to me, you're going to come back and I went, I won't because... I'm happy now, I'm in the gym, I'm coaching all the time, but so I'm still around that gym banter. Whereas I feel guilty in it. I see some fighters retiring, they proper struggle with it. I've not, do you know what I mean? I've, I've really not, I'm, I'm happy with everything. Listen, I, I set out of boxing, when I, at the start of my professional career, I thought my, my aim is to try and become a world champion and also to get an house paid for because I think once you've got an house paid for life's just a little bit easier isn't it you know you've not got a mortgage hanging over you I watched my mum and dad graph for 30 odd years to pay a mortgage off mm -hmm. and um, you know I've got that and more so I've got to be thankful so that's when I think whatever you do in life if you become greedy whether you get caught doing if you're up to no good in boxing you get greedy you stand around it'll affect you later on in life yeah a million percent don't want to be that guy yeah. what was that training camp like for you a training camp was into training camps was harder than the fights and do you know it was you was hard you was tired you was moody and listen I I think you see so many relationships go for a boxer off a training camp because it's hard they're not we're not the nicest of people to be around because you just boxing you have half got to be selfish but 
you know, you're on a diet. You can't just do little things like get a takeaway on a Friday night mm. and stuff like that. And it's tough. It's um, those training camps. There's times where you look back and think, oh, it's the fittest I've ever been in my life. But also, it was, it was just, there was draining, but you had to be learning. Each camp had always try and better myself and better myself. And I did, I think, but it was, um, they would take so much off you. They would take so much off you. And I think people thought, they'd see you on fight night. And just like any, you know, a footballer when they turn up on match day, but there's so many sacrifices that go on before that. So many sacrifices. And yeah, you. I always say, listen, if I'd love to be a boxer or I'd love to be a footballer, but okay, but would you love to live the life that they have to live up until that night? You probably wouldn't because it's horrible. It's lonely. It's tough. It's hard. But in a strange way, I loved it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. How, you must have obviously massive Man U fan yeah how never Old Trafford come about because you would have so yeah. out no doubt everyone always said it but it's it's always hard with with those outdoor events the overheads are huge and mm -hmm. stuff like that and I think it takes something as big as Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua to again I wouldn't discredit yourself yeah. with the Manchester support no, you've got behind know. you mate. maybe you know they would have turned out so mm -hmm. maybe so but it's um I don't know, it's madness. That would have been the ultimate. Like, like I said, that fighting at that arena, honestly, you don't understand it was, there was something special to me every time and people would say it about the nights. There, there was something else. How many times were you in there? Six, there seven was, times? Few? More, more. I don't yeah. know. I was in Your whole career? 30, yeah, I should know that. It was a fact, actually, because I'd been in more title fights, I think, than anyone there. Mm -hmm. Um but you know what people stop stop me and I was in town then before and one of the builders you know, I was there at the arena for so many you know and it means loads to us yeah. you know what I mean I talked to him and it's like there was big nights for the city but I didn't realise because I was just the one getting mm -hmm. punched in the head yeah. do you know what I mean I um, I wasn't I didn't see it like you know the, the old days like people would meet early in the pub they'd make a big day of it and it was mad I'd always go into the chippy near Rust on a Sunday night, a bit of a takeaway after, and, and the amount of people who was in there, we saw Reds, and they go, oh, fucking, <laughs> I'm in the bad books because uh, of you, and uh, my missus is going to kill me, and this uh, and that, yeah. Uh -huh. It was great, it was great, but just little things, but you don't realise it when you're, mm -hmm. you know, when you're the, a part of it, but it was had. a big thing, yeah, it was a big thing. What do you think of the featherweight division now? Is um. I think British boxing in general is in great in a great place. I think so. Yeah, I think it's in a great place. And kids who are coming through the Olympians next year, um, I think boxing's as big as it's ever been. Um, I think two of the most recognisable athletes on the planet in any sport, um, Tyson, Tyson Fury and Andy yeah. Joshua, yeah, both, um, you know, both both boxers, and I think you know I'd put them up there with almost anyone. Yeah. There's only like your Ronaldo's, maybe McGregor and stuff like that. Yeah, but they're right up there. They're right up there. Um, boxing's at an all-time high, and you see it in the gyms now. The gyms are packed out, and yeah. I think it's because I know Tyson Fury speaks out about mental health, and he knows how much it's good for keeping you sane and working yeah. hard. Fitness is key to any sort of depression. And we've got you, yeah. We've um, with Tyson. He's been a great, you know, advocate for it. He's been like a great role model for so many because of the place where he was. 
And that's the thing now, the situation we're in now about gyms getting locked down, you don't realize the mental health it does do for people. And I'm like, and I think so many people, they can they think, well, if Tyson Fury can do that and be heavyweight champion of the world, you know, I can come back and live, get my life back on track. And I think it's good, you know, that's, that's someone who I think who they can relate to. I'm not saying the six foot eight or six foot nine, I'm going to yeah. be champion of the world, but do you know, sort of a man of the people. Whereas they're not going to, and me, this is one of my big stories, because mental health's a big thing for me. Do you know where I see it in the gym? I see it with some of the younger kids. It can start from an early age, but I don't, and listen, that might be the reason why you might sort of disagree, but that might be what's leading, the mental health might be leading to that, but I can't take it when, I'm seeing someone who's off the nut Friday, Saturday, sticking yeah. stuff up the nose. Of course. And then they're preaching yeah. mental health on a mm -hmm. Monday, Tuesday. I'm like, no, you're on a come down. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it with people close to me. Same. And I'm like, you know, James, and I'm like, no, I don't, mm. I don't want to know about, don't start talking yeah. like this. And it might sound a bit harsh, but I don't want you to start talking like this and feeling sorry for yourself. What you're on is a come down because yeah. you've been an idiot. And, um, and that's why I think, you know, because I've seen people who genuinely, you have proper genuine mental health problems mm -hmm. and um, they're the kind of role models that you want them to look up yeah. to rather than someone on social media posting up a quote yeah. or posting up a summit. I think you know? it's easy to self-medicate. People yeah. don't know how to handle their thought process. Yes. So the drink, the drugs takes them away from totally. their method of thinking. But if you've got, if you're really struggling with like depression, mental health, mental health's are different from... yeah maybe depression from a weekend bender. Yes. But if you are yeah. struggling, if you come off the gear, the alcohol for two, three weeks, yeah. you'll feel a totally different got to look vibration yourself. in yourself. And you know better than me, Jim, but you've got to look after yeah. yourself. And then, you know, if you're still feeling in a certain way, then mm -hmm. there might be problems. But I just think you've got to look after yourself. Yeah, and exercise is key. Exercise is so mm -hmm. key. And it's it's like now with working some of the kids in the area, it's, it's great sort of seeing that now the gyms are back open. Just the change in some of them, the change in some of them, you have the parents saying it and the schools saying it. And it's, um, honestly, I believe exercise yeah. is the key to so many. And happiness isn't a 24-7 thing, it's but not. you could win world titles and you're back to your normal it's state not. the next day. And we, this is what people need to understand when you're exercising, you feel yeah. great. That's why you've got to do it consistently. Yeah, we don't, we don't live in Disney, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's not, it's, it's make-belief. It's, mm -hmm. um, it does, and that's the thing for me now, sort of what I'm going to sort of go into sort of now in life, sort of working with the kids who are at risk of exclusion who might have sort of the mental health problems. So I come from a troubled background um, because like you say, exercise, and listen, they're not, everyone who walks through the amateur gym where I'm at, they're not going to be a world champion, but they might, do you know, it just brings them out of the shadows, just gives them, confidence. Life skills, yeah. life skills and stuff like that. And that's why I'm so big on exercise. Mm -hmm. When you got your gym, was it the gym you trained at and then it gets set in fire? No. So what I did, I was, um, no, I'd, I was, was a professional. But then my amateur gym was going to be with mm. our home. And I'd always stayed coaching there a few times a week. So I, I took over the amateur gym, um, got that. And then the first day of lockdown, first weekend of lockdown, the building that it was in got set on fire, you know, in an arson attack, and it was it was nothing to do with with us. Or well, I hope not. <laughs> it was no, uh, <laughs> we've got any enemies, but there was a lot of businesses in there, and there was left without, um, you know, it was left without a gym, and we just actually building the other gym now, so we're getting it all kitted out in the next four weeks. We'll be we'll be up and running, and I can't wait for it. We're using a friend's gym at the minute, but um, we'll have our own place, and that's the plan now to. 
we'll have the amateurs in there, we'll have professional fighters, my own like same room coaching, but we'll also have kids in the area at risk of exclusion. And there's just like, there's a kid who we work with now and he's a great kid. Four, four of his brothers are all in prison. He's not really got a father figure. And I think if I work with you, I can stop you going. I can stop you going down that path. And, and if I do then, it's a massive thing for me. Do you yeah, know what I mean? He's not, not going to be a world champion. He's not, not man, have a fight, but he's just in the gym and he can sort of dedicate. And I just think now if you can try and give a little bit back yeah. in the area. And channel that energy. Yeah, channel their energy. And that's that's a big thing. Yeah, it's massive, me. man. Especially Giving for the back. career you have. And then you're still in there getting your yeah. hands dirty, trying to save other that's kids what from. I think, you yeah. know, I think it's always good to try and give back, isn't it? And listen, I'm not going to sit here and listen, people go, oh, well, you get paid for that. Well, There'll be a wage for some of it, but some of it's all, vol you know, some mm -hmm. of it's voluntary. Yeah. But um, it's rewarding. And sometimes it's, listen, you could set some up and there's a lot of funding going around now. And yeah, you could earn good money off it, but I, I don't, I want to, do you know, what I want to do is sort of just kids in the area, sort of just stop them going off, stop them going down the wrong path. Yeah. That's a so big thing for me. through your amazing career, fought some fucking top class world fighters. Yeah. Now you're trying to help the kids. What else you got planned? You still get your looks, still yeah. get your hair. I'm trying, Lucky mate. bastard, I man. I I've had a few boxers on you, not as pretty <laughs> as you, mate. Mate, the nose is a bit fatter now. The nose is a bit fatter So what's the plans for the future? Yeah, so the plans now is I'm coaching, mm -hmm. um, both professional and amateur. Um, like I said then, we're working with the kids in the area and uh, doing bits of TV, radio. It's mad, like, sometimes, you know, ringside talking about talking about a fight between two world-class fighters. And I think it's great. This. I'm getting paid to talk mm -hmm. about the sport that I love, the job that I love. And yeah, I um, that's sort of plenty more of that. But that's the biggest thing for me is to set up, to set up the gym and have it running each each day, having different, different school children in who are at trouble in school, trying to stop them getting kicked out of school and sort of give him a bit of direction in life. I'm not going to pretend, oh, I'm Coach Carter or nothing like that. <laughs> great but, film, yeah, by the way. Yeah, great film, great film. But some of these kids are good kids, and mm -hmm. school's not for everyone, but I believe that they can channel some of that energy in a, in a boxing gym or whatever, then um, it's a great thing. But I think that's that's it, really. You know, my that's that's my aim in, um, in life. Now, the second part of my life, I think, just to, to give do back. You're still 33, yeah. you bastard. I'm 36, right. man. I'm hitting 40. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Is yeah. um, What's the best fight you've ever been in? What's the one you've best really loved that stood out? I think the um, the Ismail Barroso fight, you know. Yeah, he says Defending that. my world title, mm -hmm. getting introduced off the legendary Michael Buffer, one of the coolest guys on the planet. Um, in a fight, even though I was champion, and a lot of people didn't think I was going to win, to win that game plan carried out to perfection and the atmosphere that night was mental um, I remember like after party after it coming out and literally I only put it on yesterday literally the walk of shame from the club to the old set to the sky cameras should probably stink in a mm. just good times yeah. do you know what I mean but yeah that was the best fight I'm involved in because it was just it was just you know when there was doubters and underdog. you made doubters believers mm -hmm. yeah underdog um Everyone loves a good underdog story and that's what yeah. it was. So I think that was that was probably my finest hour, to be honest. What's the best fight you've ever watched? Best fight I've ever watched. Wow. Um do you know up close, um Frotch Groves one was unbelievable. Ah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Frotch was rocked as well, man. 
I remember Rot. just thinking, wow. He what didn't even know he was on his ass. Yeah, after he, he, was, he was out. And then as he hit the floor, he sort of woke up. Yeah. But I think that was up close. I've seen a lot of great fights, you know, close up. But um, And then I think on telly, one that always sticks out to me. I remember watching it just at the road, that Manana and Grandad's when he was here. Ben and McLennan. And again, that shows the brutal yeah. side of it. Do you know, he's, he had life-changing injuries. 20-odd years, he's, he's not had a quality of life. Um, but again, that was a big underdog story, and I love that. But just not what happened after it. Yeah, the heavyweights, the two big dogs, Joshua and Tyson. Who do you think wins? Mate, I've always said for a long time. Um, I believe, and not because I've known him for a long time, but I believe a fit and focused Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight on the planet. That's I think my so. opinion. I think yeah. if he and I just hope yeah. it happens. Why did the fuck about man? Is it just money now? I think money could be one thing, but and you could say egos and mm -hmm. not even just from them, like the people above him, um, but also you know contracts and then mandatory challenges. But I just really hope it it can happen, and I hope it happens over here. It might not. Uh, nothing against an, an event happening in Saudi. I've been to one, but you just think Wembley it's the or biggest, something. yeah, Wembley or Old Trafford or anywhere. You know, Spurs mm -hmm. ground. I just want to you want to see the the biggest fight in British boxing history. You want to see it happen in yeah. Britain, don't you? I think Tyson's got to be one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Do you yeah, think he's underrated he as is. well? Yeah, do you so? think he's underrated? Because of the fight with, with Klitschko and the what he's come back for. He, he totally schooled uh, Wilder. The story's yeah. unreal and it's mad. I was in just, uh, I was in Regal with him a few weeks ago at a boxing event and um, it's mad. Like I said, he's a superstar now. He's a... Um, I remember him stopping traffic. People were just yeah. leaving engines running. He was mad. He was mad. <laughs> He's a superstar. Um, but yeah, it's, I think everyone loves the story and it's mad. Yeah. Like he's, he's more popular now or when he's come back. Now he's had his downfall. and he's come Because we love a comeback story. Yeah. Don't know what he was when he was mm -hmm. young, champion, defunct Klitschko. It's, um, it's great, but hopefully him and Joshua, who's, who's done a lot for British boxing, He's a nice Boxing. guy, yeah. man. He's just a nice, nice guy. Doesn't guy. bullshit. And again, he's, yeah. he's had a story. He's yeah, come around London, and, yeah. Mate, just two great guys and you just hope that it happens. I think um, it will. It's next year, but... You sometimes yeah. think there's that much money involved. It can't not happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so next fingers year, crossed. Yeah, see mate, we'll be there. We will. For any kid that's watching, anybody watching that's maybe struggling or maybe want to start boxing, yeah. what advice would you give for them? I'd say, listen, the, the hardest thing for some of those kids is stepping in a gym. Um it's it can be a daunting thing you know going to a boxing gym can be an intimidating thing but one thing i've never seen in a boxing gym and i think a lot of people have backed me up here i've never seen bullying in a boxing gym which is why they're so keen to get it back into schools i've never seen racism in a boxing gym do you know with um in so many boxing gyms we have kids of all races boys girls and like i said bullies will get found out in a boxing gym so that's what's great about it so if that's one of your worries, if either or any of them, um, two things are you worried, then I'd say I've never seen it. I've been in a lot of boxing gyms over the years. So, um, listen, get in there, and I'm not saying every fight is going to be a champion, a world champion, but I think it'll change your life for the better. Yeah. Anthony, for coming on today, brother, and mate, telling your stories, it's been phenomenal. James, oh, mate, Great career, mate, us. and honestly, I genuinely wish, one of the nicest guys I've ever met, I wish you all the best no, for the future, James, brother. thank you, mate. Thank Great you. chatting to you. You can also watch my podcast on my YouTube channel. The link is in the bio if you'd like to subscribe. You can follow me on my social media platforms to see who my next guest is. Follow me on Facebook at James English 11, Twitter, James English 0, Instagram, James English 2, 
You can also download these podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Sports Social Podcast Network.